Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Working With Humans. My name is Matt Phelan. I'm here with my guest. Nadine Fairlong. Uh, we, um, I am very lucky, very privileged. I've been invited into the, the Ugly Features uh, office. So we're on your, you're on your beautiful couch. Yeah, gorgeous gold velvet couch. Lovely. Um, and so just a reminder for everyone that the Working With Humans podcast is that I get to make, meet amazing human beings throughout uh, my day. And I like to share what I learn from these people. So get them on and have a chat. Wicked. So um, I just want to... Oh, and what, uh, I always describe the scene. So we're in the Ugly Features office, as said, and the day, it's significant day. It's coming out this, what is it, June? Yeah, the 19th, yeah. something like that. British weather as usual. It's rainy and sunny at yeah. the same time. Yeah, exactly. We don't know where we are. No yeah. <laughs> Women's, Women's World Cup's going on. England's yeah. still in it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, amazing. Doing um, anything. So, um, I just want to introduce you in my words, and then I would like to introduce you to introduce yourself in your words. Okay. So, I always try and write down a keyword yeah. that I always, or a keyword or key phrase that I think that reminds me of the person. Okay. <laughs> and the thing that you remind me of, um, and it sound, all these weird, these things sound weird when I say them. Yeah. But the word that I wrote down was power station. Power station. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the reason I think that is because when I see you, whether it's at work or with your friends or at the school gates, because yeah. our children go yeah. to the same school, yeah. same class, oh. um, is you just energising everyone else. Oh. Um, and I have a guest on, uh, the guest on after you, the last episode, uh, is a guy called Patrick Fay, oh. uh, and he oh. talks about entrepreneurs being that, right. and they and oh, they give out that energy. Yeah, and he, yeah. he always talks about how he gets to the end of the weekend and he's just sold because he's yeah. giving out energy all week. Oh, definitely, I can identify with that. Just at the end of each day, I'm like, <laughs> right, the batteries are coming out, and I'm just going to sort of lie there and just, yeah, I'm done by the end of the day for sure. So that's how I just that's yeah. how I see you. I think you're an amazing human being. Um, how would you describe yourself, Nadine? Um, mm, God, it's so hard. I never really put myself into words. I would say, oh, like, I suppose I'd slap a few labels on. One would be mum, one would be wife, one would be entrepreneur, one would be a bit of a wally sometimes. <laughs> That's it. I don't know. It's hard to, hard to put into words, really. Never so, really think about myself like that. So, question, um, one of the, when we first met, and, and the first thing you said, so I, I love the fact you described yourself as mum, number one. Yeah. Yeah. In your, oh, we'll get onto your into your previous career before, but yeah. you once told me, and and this shocked me, that sometimes you didn't. And now you just told the world mm-hmm. that I'm a Spotify. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. You're a <laughs> but sometimes in your career and your past, you hid that hid that you were a mum. Yeah. Could you explain why you think that is, and also because I think that could help other people that might yeah. be in a similar situation. Yeah, sure. Oh, it's just I'd always been like a super hard worker in my career. Like gave everything. Gave it my all, basically, yeah. and that also included all the hours God sent in terms of time and, and everything like that, and would go the extra mile and would be there, anything asked me, anyone asked me to do. And then as soon as I became a mum, then I felt like I had to hide it, because I felt like people would start seeing me differently, like, oh, she won't be the person that goes the extra mile anymore, she won't be the person that puts in the extra effort, that can do a little bit extra if needed. And I just didn't want to be seen differently, because that's... Is that actual work ethic isn't about the hours you put in, and that's what I'm learning more and more yeah. um, since becoming a mum. Like you, how you work and how much you put into something is not about how how present you are at a desk or how 
you know, how, how late you're working to the night is actually about you and how you approach your work and how smartly you work. But I just felt as soon as I became a mum, I was seen differently. Or yeah. I might be seen differently. And so I actually didn't tell people at work that I was a mum. I just hid it. I just I didn't realise that I was self-editing. So it's not that I didn't tell people I was a yeah. mum. It's just that I hid it. Wow. Yeah. And do you think that is... Do you think that's, a, do you think that's an Adine Furlong thing or do you think that's a society <laughs> thing? Or do you think no. that was a media thing? Do you know, I've had that conversation with quite a few people since, since having kids and I think that a lot of mums and a lot of dads as well feel the, feel the same way. They just don't want to go into work and sort of talk about family life too much because they're, they're, they're worried they'll get sort of tarnished in some way, which is absolutely outrageous. It, How could that possibly it, be? I, I saw it the other day where I, I, I went to see um, a, a HR conference and I was talking to, to someone I knew there. Yeah. And they said that one of their clients described them as child orientated, mm. and I was like, "What? What did? Um, what did you say?" And they had just said they mentioned their, that they were going to pick up their child once. Oh, it was one of their no. clients. Yeah, exactly. That that's it. the thing, and that, that's what you. And they said it to a lawyer. Yeah, and what it should be. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> idiotic. Also, in being child oriented, like why is that sort of being used as a negative it's, as well? It's not. It should be the other way around. It should be the other way around. Absolutely, people should be absolutely expected that they put their families um you know first and absolutely but they can still be great workers and valuable to companies and yeah i, I can never say the word correct but i'm going to call it higger but we've just appointed a head of higger in copenhagen oh, yeah. for our audience business yeah, yeah, because yeah. the danes are just brilliant at yeah. that at putting yeah. family first yeah. resulting in happiness yeah. and still being awesome at work yeah exactly all one follows the other and they're all they're all interconnected so yeah, it makes it makes complete sense. They're all joined up. So we're just going to have the silly bit uh, <laughs> now. So if you had to choose yeah. um, a takeaway, would it be Indian or curry? Indian or curry? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm it, talking uh, um, Indian. Sorry, Indian curry or Chinese? Curry. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, sorry, yeah, Indian, yeah. Let's just uh, simple. Uh, Indian uh, takeaway or Chinese takeaway? Oh, okay. Indian. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> Um, and if you could, if you were having a weekend break, would you do city or countryside? Countryside. Cool. And then the next one is the most controversial one, and it was inspired when I saw that photo of you the other day um, <laughs> with Kate and Liz, yeah. which is um, this is gonna test. This is gonna be a test. This one, <laughs> Kylie or Danny Minogue? Oh, Kylie, always <laughs> gotta be Kylie, definitely. <laughs> cool. So I know you as yeah. a storyteller. Yeah. But. What is that? How did you? Can you take us through your career? Yeah. Um, and how you and how you get to a point where you you companies are paying you lots of money to be a storyteller yeah. for your features. Like, take yeah. us through that. Okay, so yeah, stories always been absolutely king for me. I mean, even I even you know I studied English at at uni and and obviously uh-huh. stories are at the heart of that. And then I went into television because I wanted to tell stories in TV um, so I started off in documentaries and then um, flipped over into entertainment and all the silly stuff and the reality stuff and you know did I'm a celebrity and Big Brother and The Voice and all the crazy shows. So you so you what did you do on those shows? Um, so I did all sorts of things from story producing them um, so that's working out the storylines and um, casting for them, working out the people that are going to be on, on the show, because um, that's 
another string to my bow in television is that I was a creative as well, so I was coming up with the programme ideas as well and pitching them to the broadcasters. And the first thing that the commissioners say to you when you walk in with a, a TV programme idea is, OK, well, tell me who, what kind of people are you going to see on screen and what are they going to be doing? So yeah. it's, it's all about people and it's all about story, basically. Wow. So it's who they are and what they like. And are they characters? And are they, are, are they going to entertain me? Um, if so, what are they doing? Yeah. So those are the only key questions that you need to answer, really. Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah, it occurred to me there's, that... That's interesting because there's no difference between business and part no. The entertainment fact may yeah. be different, but it's about, that it's about the people in yeah, the story. Yeah, exactly. It's just how, what are your people doing and what is the story like and how is that going to engage my audience? So a lot... Of our guests on here talk about culture in that so you've, so you've worked on all those shows and I've got two questions because so I want to come back to like the culture because we're um, everyone's hooked now to Love Island once again even oh, yeah. though yeah. Uh, we said we <laughs> but what is the what is the culture like in television um, yeah it's a complicated one it's full of like lots of fun people and it's a really it's a fun industry you just meet loads of brilliant Brilliant people, whether that's behind the behind the camera or on screen, like big personalities. So that makes it an absolute blast. But in terms of the culture, there's a lot of there is a lot of insecurity and a lot of unhappiness. Probably because it's quite an insecure industry. A lot of freelance that's not um, that's it's just it's just very tricky to sort of navigate that sometimes. And it's also television itself is like the audiences are dwindling as we all know and yeah. kind of nosediving as an industry in terms of actual traditional TV. So that in itself breeds insecurity and so there's less kind of, there's less what space on the ship basically. Yeah, it will it's kind of like it's it, it's shifting and people aren't necessarily shifting with it. It's because Netflix, like Netflix is just booming. Netflix is booming. So all the SVODs and then you've got um, just content, digital content, it's all kind of shifting audiences. Brands are now creating brilliant content like North Face on YouTube. You can go and get, get a great watch out of some of their content. It's yeah. not necessarily BBC One Saturday night at 9pm. You know, yeah. it's, it's completely shifting. So the overall industry isn't declining, it's just that specific five channels. Yeah, I would say definitely. And yeah, because content's not dead, never going to be dead. Story's not dead, never going to be dead. People yeah. are not dead, never going to be dead. You know, all those things are still very much alive and kicking. But yeah, those five, those five channels, definitely tricky, very tricky. And I just think in terms of, in terms of culture, it's, you know, it's been built on a, a very much a demand culture. People working long hours, working overnight to deliver shows, which, you know, it's not, you know, it's not, you're not, in the medical profession, saving people's lives, you are yeah. making a TV show, and it's it. That's really not sustainable now, um, really. I, I, a lot of the shows you worked on were reality focused, yeah. on my life. Yeah. Do you think the culture within the industry feeds into the shows? Because yeah, some of these shows now they're starting to realise they need to take responsibility for these contestants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. even. And, Mm. Even on the latest episodes mm. of Love Island, mm. they're starting to say they should take this person out because people just now are more aware of mental health, aren't they? Mm, absolutely. And I think Love Island, you know, they've been rocked by those, they've been rocked by those very high-profile um, suicides of a couple of former contestants, which was super sad, but also reassuring that they seem to be continuously like, re-evaluating their policy and, and being very open and transparent about how they were doing that and yeah. working to do that. 
and that's not always the case. Like other shows don't open their doors like that. And I think Love yeah. Island's they're, they're they're very much a modern show for a modern era. And yes, they put their hands up. No, it's not perfect. It's a work in progress, and we're all responding to quite a new world that we're yeah. we're living in, us included. And we're you know we're working to support contestants as much as we can, and still like ameliorating that as we go on. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting thing. Because the, the other one that's changed loads is obviously the Jeremy Carl stuff, yeah, isn't it? Where yeah. it was seemed acceptable yeah. to... Some people call it yeah. bare baiting, some Baiting's, people call it yeah. interviewing, you call it what you yeah. want, but yeah. people are now deciding that's unacceptable. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's quite an interesting... I think that's a really interesting parallel because those two shows suffered like almost the same kind of PR disaster, but they responded very differently. Love Island threw the doors open and it's a very sort of contemporary show and, you know, said we're, we're changing things and we're a work in progress. Jeremy Carl shut the doors completely and it makes yeah. you think, okay, well, well, you know, they're a much older show with their processes and everything just like really not... You, you couldn't have exposed them even if you wanted to because they yeah. were really actually quite rotten. You know, it and just it's based it's based on, that question. And Jeremy Carl is based on one person with one style, isn't it? Yeah. So it's very difficult yeah. to change yeah. it. Yeah, and I think Love Island for all... You know, it does do it. It's it's really interesting in terms of how they deal with things. Like I saw one of the contestants had, um, I think it's Joe and Lucy at the moment, and and he, the guy was getting quite a lot of flack in the in the press for being a little, have, showing controlling behaviour. Yeah. The the voiceover of that show actually made comments about it being quite Victorian and yeah. and that would not have happened even like five years ago on a show like that so it's moving forward and it does reflect society back on itself those yeah. shows are actually important I think I think because your business partner Liz what mm. she was saying is that she finds the show useful to to be able to talk about good and bad behaviour yeah with, definitely with with her daughter because she says yeah the, the relationship in the last show between the two they've split up now haven't they but they were all yeah. in love and that was a yeah. good they were a respectful relationship yeah. and then there was a non-respectful relationship yeah. and it's good to see both exactly I, I remember when Big Brother and the whole Shil Pachetti Jade thing happened uh, years ago can you ago. remind us what that is again um, so there's a big race row I think Shil Pachetti was um, I can't remember what it was but it was some, one of the other contestants and I think Jade and maybe a couple of others were um, ribbing her for how she was eating her food with her yeah. hands and then it became a huge huge thing in the press a race row and all sorts of, like right up to Gordon Brown at the time was commenting yeah. or I can't remember the details but it was all very complicated and but I overheard some kids at a bus stop discussing it and I yeah. thought that's brilliant I do want kids at a bus stop discussing race issues yeah. great and if that show's doing that and getting it on the national agenda brilliant like yeah. actually there's a lot of things about that that made me feel in t- just in terms of having a mixed heritage, lots of shows that have happened along the way that have made me feel more comfortable in my own skin, actually, because you see things presented in a new way. And yeah. I think that's really important. In terms of, well, I thought you, your career now is sort of merging HR and marketing to tell the story, and tell me if mm. I'm wrong, mm. to tell the story of the business through their yeah. people. Yeah. So you've taken that, what you, what you said around how television is about the story and people yeah. and you've taken that into yeah, business yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely how because traditionally the people that look after the people of the yeah. HR team yeah. and the people who look after the story of the marketing yeah. team yeah yeah exactly how is that how, is that merging how, you you quoted on my so. HR punks article a really good point yeah. can you talk us through that 
Yeah, well, I would think I think that, that what you the point you make there about it merging, I think that's absolutely true. Traditionally, like you said, marketing looked after sort of the external message going out to clients and customers, and then HR was looking after the message going down, you know, going out to the people of the of the organisation. And I think that's all merging and becoming like much more of a universal message now. Like it's it's the same for your employees, your customers, your potential future recruits. I think it's all one message because. You can't be something internally and be something completely different externally. Like, yeah. the walls are coming down now. Like, your organisation, people can see into and they can have quite direct access via social media to the people that work in those organisations. So, unless you're galvanising your workforce to be the brilliant brand ambassadors that they can be and should be, then you're really missing a trick. I think yeah. that's what it is. And I think that's where marketing and HR really converge and can work together on the same page and create brilliant ambassadors that can really shout about a company and then tell that story via video content on social media. You have basically, like going back to my TV experience, like you have a cast at your fingertips, a cast of brilliant communicators, and you have like a great story to tell because everyone wants to know what what you're up to on a daily basis. So if you can make that entertaining and, you know, have some fun and like galvanise your people, I think you've got so many benefits to come out of that. I also, it's, it's interesting listening as well, because one of the things we talk a lot about is diversity. And yeah. when you were talking about your employees as yeah. a cast, yeah. that just sums up how important diversity is, isn't it? Yeah, because definitely. who wants a boring cast? Yeah, totally, <laughs> You're exactly. You're going to need to fix it yeah. up. Like, that's not the reason, one of the main reasons for diversity, but in terms of... Yeah actually bringing a diverse yeah. group of people together that is yeah. going to make a much more interesting story absolutely absolutely and also like you can do you know 101 initiatives in your company about diversity but throwing the doors open and just putting your people on show you you just it's just one of those like happy things that get exposed is that you are a diverse company like it just yeah. it just all comes out naturally which is actually really nice you yeah. know you can just tell that story you know very authentically and simply let's say I totally believe in what you're doing and, and we must declare that we are a client of yours. <laughs> so you help us with this stuff. But what there's a lot of people who are a bit scared to open their doors. Yeah. Like so imagine let's take let's take a legal firm. Okay. Um, of lawyers and solicitors, very traditional. I'm tr- I'm trying not to typecast a legal and a law firm. <laughs> but let let's say like how do you how do these people start? Um, well, I think, I think for one thing, I think it's great if the company can just bring everyone together and get everyone on the same page. Because I think it is important that your workforce as a whole, from top down, from CEO right down to whoever, who, whoever else is working in that company, is on the same, exactly the same page. Like They know the kind of messaging you're going to put out. They know why the strategy is in place. They know all of these things. Yeah. And then I think, so then I think you've got like, your brilliant foundation in place. And then it's, all, it's, it's kind of like taking the fear out of it. So just enjoy having a go at it and yeah. you will get better and better and better and better yeah. at just fronting content. And, you know, you can just practice on your phone, practice, you know, stick some stuff up. It won't always work. So, you put, you know, it's trial and error a lot of it. You know, you get to know your audience more. You get to know what they like more, what gets more traction. And, yeah. and then you sort of follow that path I think that opens advice. out for you. So let's take one of the most famous people that, that do this, which is Gary Vee, Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, when I watch it, and, and he's definitely Marmite. Um, yeah. Some people love him, some yeah. people hate him, some yeah. people are just not sure. <laughs> but it works whether you like him or not. Yeah. 
does. There's a lot of marketers, I've, I've, traditionally I'm a marketer, that they would see, they would look at what he's doing and think that that's, you're, because he's basically selling his media company, but Fainer Media, yeah. but he's got a B to C strategy, it's very yeah. consumer led. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even noticed the other day he's got a trainer ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. which is not what you would expect normally of a CEO yeah. of. You're not, um, and I know the CEO publicist. Yeah. <laughs> Steve King. I, I yeah. love Steve, but I can't <laughs> imagine him bringing out a trainer range. <laughs> but what what's going on here? Uh, I think that he's a perfect example of having of us having more direct access to those to CEOs that that sort of C level in an organisation, and he. He is very clever because he will engage you in a really quite intimate way. Like as an audience, you feel like he's speaking directly to you as an individual, which is amazing. And even though he is, yeah, he's got, you know, his huge media company, there is a very immediate connection that he creates. And I feel like you get, you feel like you know him from watching his content, which is really, really clever. And actually, that's what, I think that's what happens when you throw the doors open, you put content out there and you're fronting it and you and your people are fronting it people feel like they know you very immediately yeah I mean I've watched way too much Gary Vee now I mean I actually have grown, developed a crush on him I've watched so many so many videos it's taken the knowing someone to a next yeah. step but he, I think he's brilliant I know he is more my that you say but yeah I do think he's, he's brilliant I met I met one of his staff recently yeah and it goes back to what you were saying about um, throwing the doors open and, and mm. I, you said this off record about being authentic mm. and being your true self and not even talk about the origins of the name ugly and all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff but um, I said is he like that and he was like he's exactly yeah. like that right, exactly, <laughs> but maybe yeah. even more than he's actually like yeah. so he said he's almost like a reverse caricature of himself yeah okay but, um, yeah. so um, as usual on this podcast I've got to go and pick my son Fred up oh, um, at one o'clock it's 12.53 yeah um, we I just want to finish up with Three really quick questions. Okay. What is the biggest? Uh, what's the biggest low in your career? Well, the biggest low. Oh gosh. I don't even know if that's uh, an actual thing. The biggest low. Oh. But, uh. Um. If I ever felt that that oh god, it's hard. Like, there's been points where I've just thought that people were unhappy in some of the shows, and that was that that was a huge low. Right. Yeah. Um. Highest moment in your career? Um, starting ugly, definitely. Like, Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing you can't like see it. Nadine with a smile on her face. That's <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. she said that. Yeah. Um, so, thank you. I've learned loads. It's amazing discussing oh. your career and how you've taken that from TV into oh. ugly features. Oh. We should get you back on to explain the name at some point. <laughs> yes. I do love it. Um, <laughs> so... I'm going to let you close in your words and say thank you, Nadine. It's been brilliant. Um, but can you give our audience the biggest learning in your career? Um, definitely be yourself. Even if you're in quite a corporate organisation or if you're in an organisation where you're meant to be a certain way, there's only one way to be, and that's, that's you. I just think that's, that's where you will shine. So just do it. Great advice. Thank you, Nadine. <laughs> All right. Pleasure.